Good day and welcome to Truth For Today. I'm your host, Joseph Franta of Joseph Franta Ministries. I'm a global teacher and international minister. Have been for 37 years now. So I wanted to just refresh you. We've been in the book of Ephesians and we're going right back into that book today. Uh, it is all about the church. It is all about the callings of God. It is all about the giftings, ministry giftings of God. Uh, it's all about how to sit with Christ in heavenly places, occupy your place of authority. Uh, it's all about walking with Jesus in the spirit, walking in love, walking in truth, walking in the overcoming life. And it's all about learning how to stand in the area of warfare, spiritual warfare, and standing on the promises of God, standing on the word of God, so that you can receive uh, and possess what God has given you through your inheritance in Jesus Christ. You'll notice in this book many phrases of like in him, in Christ, in whom, through whom, by whom. All those little phrases are talking about who you are in Jesus Christ. You're in him. Uh, your salvation has been by him. Uh, you're redeemed by him. Uh, and then it goes into redemption. It goes into sanctification which is being set apart for God's purposes. And it goes into uh, taking your seat in the spirit in heavenly places and exercising the authority of the believer. Now these are very important truths and without these truths, without these foundational truths, it's very hard to navigate the Christian life and be successful and be an overcomer and uh, possess everything that God has planned for you. You know, I think it's very important because God has plans, purposes, and pursuits for the church uh, corporately and for you individually. And so these are so important that you understand God's plan. The whole first chapter of Ephesians is really about God's plan for each believer individually and then for the church and, and then uh, God's uh, purposes. You know, God has a purpose for your life. You're not just, you know, floating around here as an entity on planet Earth, but you have a special divine calling. Talks about in Hebrews 3.1, you have a divine purpose. Talks about in Ephesians uh, chapter 4 and other places, and God wants you to pursue it. What are the pursuits of God? If, if you don't understand pursuing the plan and purpose of God, the call of God on your life, uh, you're really missing it. You're not going to uh, ever really be fulfilled unless you're in the place that God has designed and ordained for you to be in in this life. People say, well, you know, I, I can make my own decisions. That's so true. I can choose my own path. Well, that's true. But as far as being fulfilled, as far as accomplishing God's divine purpose for your life, 
Uh, you have to be on God's path, in God's will, in God's plan. And this is what this book contains, the plan of God for the church, both corporately and individually. And I, I want to pick up in Ephesians chapter 4 here, in, uh, in verse 7, I know this is, we're going over this again a little bit, but I think it bears, uh, you know, covering again. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. So, when Jesus rose from the dead, and then, of course, he appeared on the earth for 40 days and uh, appeared to more than 500 eyewitnesses, and then he was ascended bodily from the Mount of Olives into heaven, and he took his seat at the right hand of the Father. It says here that at that particular time, he gave gifts to men, and it lists these gifts here, and I want to go over those. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? There's a lot of uh, controversy about, did Jesus go to hell? Well, there's all sorts of scriptures that say he did. And uh, it says his, his, his soul did not experience corruption, nor did his body experience decay. And, uh, you know, it says also he was not left in Sheol, and uh, that's the place of the dead. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, verse 9, now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean? Except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth. He even gave the prophecy about Jonah. Just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, or heart of the belly, in the belly of the whale, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Where else could that be but Sheol or hell or Hades? Then it says in the book of Revelation that when he was down there, he took away the keys of hell and death from the devil. And it says in the book of Revelation that he has the keys of hell and death. And those keys mean that as a believer, you will never go there. You will never suffer uh, the punishment and consequences of your sin because Jesus did it for you. He suffered and died for uh, your sins on the cross. He went to hell and paid the penalty, the, uh, took the punishment for your sins, and then the Holy Spirit came and quickened him or made him alive, and he was raised from the dead. The Bible says in the book of Romans, by the power of God, so the power of God is the Holy Spirit. So it's very, very clear, and I don't have time to go into all those different uh, areas right now because I want to concentrate on this. Verse 10, he who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill or fulfill all things. Every word of God will come to pass, and every prophetic word spoken about the Messiah, Jesus, came to pass. Every prophecy, every event, even the timing came to pass. Now here it says, and he gave some. Here's the gifts that he gave. 
when he rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father. He gave some as apostles. These are messengers, sent ones. These are people with a mission, often called missionaries, but not exclusively missionaries. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets. Those are inspired teachers and preachers of the Word of God. And uh, they're a lot different than the Old Testament prophets, and I'm not going to get into that today because I've covered it before. And some evangelists, those are proclaimers of Christ. They preach Jesus and the resurrection, and they, you, they almost always are accompanied by signs, wonders, and miracles the uh, working of miracles and the special gifts of faith and the gifts of healing always operate through a true evangelist office. And some as pastors, these are shepherds, under shepherds. These are people that take care of people on a daily basis and they're also teachers in the body of Christ, very needed. And teachers, these are people that delve into the word of God uh, in great detail. Uh, they spend a lot of time studying the Word and uh, bringing out all the wonderful treasures that are in the Word of God and uh, delivering those to God's people. And then it goes on and says, why are these positions or offices in the church, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher? For the equipping of the saints. You know, you need to be equipped. To be accomplished at anything, you need to be equipped. You need to be trained. I never saw anyone in any uh, field of endeavor on this earth who was very accomplished and successful that did it without being equipped, trained, taught. And uh, these are very important things. It doesn't mean they have to go to a Bible school or whatever, but, you know, they got to be taught by the Holy Spirit. They got to have a foundation in, in the scriptures. They have to have sound doctrine. They have to have an anointing to preach or teach. And they also uh, have to have revelation. All these offices here have a revelation of Jesus. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, they all have a revelation of Jesus to bring to the body of Christ. And so if you cut off one of these offices and you don't allow it to operate, then you are going to be deficient in some way in your equipping for the work of the ministry. A lot of times people don't understand this, but it's so true. And I kind of covered this a lot last time, so I'm not going to go into it this time in great detail. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service or the work of the ministry, every saint has a ministry to the building up of the body of Christ. That's what makes the body of Christ so powerful, so effective, is everyone functioning in their place, in their ministry, doing their part. And we're going to get into that in just a moment. 
It builds up the body, and we'll see how it does that. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. In other words, we're in unity. And of the knowledge of the Son of God, we have a correct, revealed knowledge of Jesus Christ. To a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Oh, oh, wow. And we covered this last time, but this is God's end game for the church, that everybody grow up into Christ, into maturity. And uh, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Does that mean that any one man has the fullness of Christ? No. No one man or woman or person has the fullness of Christ, but together, as a body, as members of the body of Christ, we can grow up into full stature. The fullness of Christ. We can have that operating in our churches. And it's not just a one-time experience. It's an ongoing experience where the church is growing exponentially, they're growing in all aspects into Christ Jesus. And that's what it says. As a result, verse 14, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves. Some people are always looking for what they call the next wave. Well, let me tell you something. You can ride the wave all the time. You don't have to be looking for the next one. You can walk in the Spirit every day of your life. You can walk in the glory. Jesus said, Father, the glory that you have given to me, I have given to them. It says that in Colossians 2.10 that in him we have been made complete. I don't need another wave to make me complete. I'm, I'm excited about every outpouring of the Spirit, every move of God. However, I don't need a move of God to make me complete. I'm complete now in him. You as a Christian are complete in him. And you don't have to go running around to, you know, different places trying to catch a wave. No, just be obedient to the spirit of God every day and you'll be riding a wave right into heaven as the apostle Paul and many others did. <coughs> As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But here's how you stay free of deception and the trickery of men. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. You know, I want to talk something uh, a little bit about Christian character. A lot of times we, we major on certain things in the Bible that God really does not major on. But I'll tell you one thing that God does major on is integrity and Christian character, honesty, truthfulness, loyalty, faithfulness, these are, the, these are the foundation stones of a successful Christian life. 
to be faithful and loyal to where God's placed you, to be honest and truthful with others and with yourself, and to have integrity, being a man or woman of your word. You know, and I'm all for, you know, everything that's going on in the realm of the spirit uh, with as long as it's credible. But you know what? For things to be credible, the leaders bringing those things and delivering those truths, they have to be credible. They have to have integrity, honesty, faithfulness, loyalty, truthfulness. They can't be double-minded. They can't be double-tongued, as it talks about in Timothy. They have to be truth-seekers, truth-tellers, and they have to have the guts to stand up to people that are not speaking the truth correctly or not bringing truth accurately. The Bible says that we are to accurately divide the word of truth. That means we we have to really have some experience under our belts, so to speak, and understand where scriptures fit with other scriptures and not just take them out of concept, uh, you know, out of context and say whatever we want to say through a scripture that doesn't really say that or mean that. We need some kind of maturity. And the teachers and the pastors in the body of Christ should be leading the charge in that area, diligently searching the scriptures daily to see whether these things are so. Says the, about the Bereans that Paul came across, they were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they examined the scriptures daily to see whether these things are so. Now, I've, I have friends like this, and they are pretty nitpicky when it comes to the Word of God. Once you depart from the Word, you're going to get off in error. I don't care who you are. I don't care how gifted you are. I don't care how anointed you are. Once you depart from the Word of God, you are going to find yourself in error. And Paul told Timothy to examine his his teaching very uh, closely. In fact, I want to turn there right now. 1 Timothy 4, I believe it is. Hold on. 1 Timothy 4. This is so important for the ministers or people aspiring to the minister to the ministry. Uh, In Timothy, Paul makes this exhortation. And by the way, 1 Timothy is all about sound doctrine, sound teaching. I think we ought to really pay attention to it in this hour. And so in 1 Timothy 3, I'm sorry, it's 1 Timothy 4, Paul is exhorting his son, his spiritual son, Timothy. In verse 12, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. There's a character right there. In speech, you can really locate where you are at by the words that come out of your mouth, and you can locate other people too. Conduct, 
How are you conducting yourself? Love, are you, do you have a strong love walk with the Lord and with others? Faith, are you a person of faith? Do you believe the word of God? Purity, how important is that today? I mean, you need to really watch yourself on the internet and even watching TV and I don't know if there's any good movies out there anymore, maybe Christian movies, but I don't watch movies in general, but uh, you gotta, because they're coming at you with a lot of filth, a lot of ungodliness, a lot of uh, doubt and unbelief, purity. Show yourself an example of those who believe. We all need to be examples, and we need, Iron sharpens iron, so we need one another to make us really good examples of what a Christian should be and how a Christian should conduct themselves in this uh, crazy mixed up world. Until I come to give it, it says, until I come, Timothy, give attention to the public reading of scripture. Oh, so scripture was a priority for Paul. To exhortation, and to teaching, exhortation is very important. Exhorting people, uh, you know, to go onward with God, go forward with God, and stay out of sin. Verse 14, and teaching, it says there, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery or the elders. Now, Notice verse 15, take pains with these things, with your conduct, with your teaching. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed, be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. In other words, if you take pains with studying the word, says in 2 Timothy, study to show yourself approved of God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or accurately dividing the word of truth. This word of truth is your foundation for your Christian life. And you need to be so deeply rooted and grounded in truth, in scripture, because the winds are gonna blow, the winds of false doctrine are going to blow your way at one time or another. How do you know that some of the things that are being presented to you are in line with scripture, are really authored by the spirit of truth, and are really, in fact, God's will, plan, and purpose for your life? I think it's so important to know the truth. And now it says here, take pains with these things, be absorbed in them, so that your progress will be evident to all. Now it says again, another exhortation in in verse 16 from Paul the Apostle. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching Persevere in these things. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation 
both for yourself and for those who hear you. People, anybody can be deceived. That means me, anybody. Anybody can be deceived. It doesn't take even a lot. You know, the Bible says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Just a little bit of error, deception. Just a little bit of seduction. Next thing, you find yourself in a place you don't want to be in. You know, God's grace is sufficient, but also God expects us to grow up, to mature, and to be knowledgeable as to what the Word of God says. How are you going to tell about the false prophets and the false teachers and even the false Christ that the Bible talks about, that false antichrist anointing? How are you going to know about it if you don't know what the Scripture has to say about it? And just because something is popular doesn't mean it's God. Oh, I want to say it again. Just because something is popular doesn't mean it's God. Check it out with the Scriptures. See how it lines up with the Scriptures. See if it agrees with the Word of God. Don't just run blindly into things without checking them out with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. That'll keep you on track. That'll keep you where you need to be, and it'll keep you from going off into a ditch on the right or the left. So, I'm going to go back to Ephesians here. In Ephesians 11, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Now let me just say this. The body of Christ is a unit. You know, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, I want to turn there for just a minute because we're all members of the same body. 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. It's about spiritual gifts, and I'm not going to go over that, but I'm going to go down here. Verse 12, let's start in verse 12. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. So we're all members of one body. We have a place, we have a function, you know, and that's revealed to us by God. Verse 13, for by one spirit, Oh, I love this verse. For by one Spirit, now that's the Holy Spirit, 
For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. That's baptism into Christ. That's when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and received forgiveness of your sins. It says right here, you were baptized. The word baptized means to be placed into. You were placed into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink, I like that. We were all made to drink of one spirit. In other words, partaking in the refreshing of the Holy Spirit, the life of the Spirit. You know, we need to have both in our churches, the Word and the Spirit. But you have to have both. And if you don't have both operating in your church, your church is not going to be as powerful as God intended it to be. But they both govern each other. The Word governs the Spirit, and the Spirit governs the Word. What do I mean by that? They act together in compliance with one another, and the Spirit's not ever going to do something that the Word doesn't back up. They've got to have unison, agreement. And here, I want to go back. Uh, I don't want to get into that right now, but Ephesians 4, let's go back there. Every member has a place and a function in the body of Christ. And the Holy Spirit takes the lid off of what I call containment. Sometimes people are in churches that they're just contained. They can't operate in their gifts. They're just contained. It's not the will of God. Every gift is to have the freedom and liberty to be expressed and used in the body of Christ under the leadership, under the authority of the leadership. And when you find yourself suppressed or you find yourself, you know, like there's a lid on you, you need to really examine if you're in the right place. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. So thank you for tuning in again today and we appreciate you listening, and we'll be back again next time and continue this great study in Ephesians 4.